0: Back to the show. Thanks for tuning in. If you did not know, this is part two of an episode about the myth of supremacy. So we're just going to jump right in the conversation after this intro here. But if you have not heard part one, make sure and listen to that first. It'll make the conversation make a lot more sense. Um, Also, if you have a minute, go on iTunes, give us a rating. That would mean the world to us. It helps us block out the haters in a really powerful way and so we're just asking you to you know consider what you can do to help fight the haters thank you enjoy the episode Is, yeah. Do they have complete religious freedom? Can they go get groceries and not worry about... Can they go to every area of this country and be comfortable stopping to get gas?
1: Mm.
0: Can African-American people do that today? No, they can't. And so this is, you know, tracing these systems, right? And sure. how this yeah. idea of supremacy yeah. has been handed down to us in different generations. So that's kind of like the origins of Christianity, United States, the big picture things, right? Yeah. And we could dig into that at some point later, but that's a big picture, right? Uh-huh. So now um, a couple other historical realities I wanted to connect here. And I promise yeah. we're trying to build this maybe mosaic or tapestry and we're <laughs> trying to bring it all together. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, you know, I'm falling, I'm tracking falling. with I, us. I right? got it. I know so um, another area which within Christian thought has a lot uh, to, do, to do with supremacy is the theology of John Calvin. So mm. John Calvin, you know, was a theologian um, who really pioneered what we now today call Reformed theology, right? And so he, you know, there's an acronym TULIP for his theological system that people use, and and there's a lot of tenets to Reformed theology. I'm not going to go through all of them. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. specifically in the nation of South Africa, the theology of John Calvin, which has a lot to say about supremacy and these similar ideas, uh-huh, uh-huh. was used and was weaponized to create the realities of South Africa that still exist today. So, um, there's this book okay. called A Rainbow in the Night that I really recommend, and it's kind of a... Basically, it's a, it reads like a novel, but it's a historically accurate history of the, the country of South Africa. Okay, And it talks about the Dutch Reformed settlers that um, you know, colonized South Africa, right? Yeah. So yeah. you have these uh, folks the yep. from Europe mm-hmm. who, um, you know, have this idea of a manifest destiny, similar to like what we talk about with Christopher Columbus, right? So or it is, you
1: know, or American expansion, right? yeah, westward expansion. Exactly. Yeah.
0: They read texts in the Same Bible thought. like Joshua, where the Israelites are, you know, conquering the Canaanites to establish a promised land, right? Mm-hmm. They read mm-hmm. texts of Jesus talking about, you know, establishing a kingdom. And they, think, and they then took that and John Calvin's theology of you know that God has predetermined everything and that God has chosen some men, women, and angels for, um, for salvation and others he has predetermined will, will mm. go to hell yeah. and burn forever. Mm-hmm. So this idea that we are the elect, we are the chosen people, and we have a manifest destiny. Well, that idea then fueled colonialism. So these Dutch reformers traveled all the way down to South Africa you know, in a caravan and we actually know that they brought paintings of John Calvin with them. Wow. So they're they're setting Dang. up their houses and their tents. They're in real committed stolen to stolen one land, guy. Yeah. And they and they almost, you know, revere almost the level of worship this guy John Calvin and his ideas of theology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and so that idea so then they come to this place where there's these you know, native African people with their own languages, their own religious systems. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. They, they plant their flag and say, all right, this is our land and you're going to work it for us for free. And that's the story of colonialism. So sure. that happens. Well, then, of course, the British people get involved because British people get involved everywhere. Always. That's, They're the, you know, the that's kings what they do. of colonialism, kings of getting involved. And so then you have these you know, Boer Wars that yep. you'll, you'll talk about where. Between the Dutch settlers
1: and the British Empire. Yeah. Yep. And
0: so just this really interesting Over idea. Over a of land that neither of them neither had of them. <laughs> any rightful claim to. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> but that both of them, fueled by religious motives, believe we are the supreme race, right? Mm-hmm. We, are the su- we have the supreme religious system with salvation for the world. God has predetermined this for us. We are mm. chosen people. Mm. We are royal priesthood. And we are taking this system and giving it to these poor African people who didn't know better. And
1: also they're going to work our land for free it's, and fight in our war for us. It's good for them, actually, that we're <laughs> subjugating yeah. them and taking their ancestral land. Yeah, because, because if they're less than human— Then they'll more Christ-like.
0: If they're less than human yeah. and if white people are closer to the divine and there is a natural supremacy in the created
1: order, mm. then— it is completely justifiable Dang. i mean that that fits that all <laughs> right? fits right that's a it's this crazy awful puzzle that that all clicks together yes yeah.
0: and that's the story you know i would encourage you to, to look into that look into the history of south africa it's there's good to hear so a, many, uh, you know
1: yeah. a, a place where that takes place other than the united states i mean not good but like <laughs> it's reassuring to hear that this yeah. isn't just one thing that happened here in the u.s it's it's a much larger it's a,
0: no it's a global theology
1: theo- yeah. that's been exported yeah in yeah a, In
0: a lot mm-hmm. of history you know the undercurrents of it are this so that right. idea of supremacy well then that idea of supremacy after the boer wars you know after there's different levels of racism and slavery and colonialism that took place in south africa then the 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 system that we now know as apartheid right which is the legal segregation of white people and black people that are in south africa so the descendants of those colonizers and the descendants of the native african people that lived in that land are, are in opposition to each other and the government legally you know preferred one race over the other Sure. And, and you know, sent the uh, native black South Africans to live in townships that many of them still live in to this day. And apartheid was only made illegal in the early 90s. Yep. So it's this system that still has so many repercussions. It's, it's recent. Right? It's quite recent. Yeah. And fun fact, not at all fun. Um, <laughs> but it is a fact. Yeah, when Okay, so you have, you know, as these African people started to, to develop you know, more agency and started having uprisings and sure. and started fighting back against this power that existed over them for so many years mm-hmm. to colonize them, mm-hmm. right? Um, the white rulers were really questioning how do we deal with this? Mm. Because they, they are the majority. I think even today, it's like 80 to 20% as yeah, far as black South it's Africans, or disparity there. So, yeah. so if, if they wanted to rise up and, and take things over, they could, and mm-hmm. that was a threat mm-hmm. to the white colonists. So what they did with all these ideas of manifest destiny and white supremacy and white, you know, nationalism and all this, they they looked around the world and said, Well who's doing this really well? Who who's someone we could replicate? Oh no. They took oh, a no. study trip to the Third Reich. And they it said always, it always comes it back. It always goes back to Nazi Hitler and, Germany. and Nazi Oh, Germany. oh so, man. So they thought they actually did a, a study trip oh. and said, We like what this Hitler guy's doing And how can we replicate this in South Africa? And that's, in a lot of ways, how apartheid was born. It it came from that same ideal um, of supremacy, right? There is one race more supreme than another. There's a sliding scale of humanity, and that is affirmed by divinity. Therefore, we have the right to do whatever we want Mm -hmm. to these people. And that's how the system of apartheid was born. And that's that's the system that exists today so once again this idea of supremacy is not something that's isolated in one part of the world it's an undercurrent of so much of history and it has informed so many of the wars around religion around ethnicity that exist it's you know one group one group of humans is better than another and so yeah just a little bit of peace there and and so then another area i'll just mention briefly is this Christianity is not the only religion that experiences, you know, this phenomenon of supremacy. Sure. So, oh, um, yeah, certainly. So, you know, Islam experiences this in different ways, um, and you know, there's many Muslim scholars who who acknowledge, you know, that wh- while their view of of Islamic documents, including the Quran and, and other holy books, Uh uh um, express tolerant, protective beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, Those same texts and beliefs, much like, you know, the Christian Bible have been misused, misquoted and misinterpreted by extremists, both by extremists and people who are Islamophobic. They've been Mm -hmm. misinterpreted for a particular agenda. And, um, and they've led to many instances of Muslim or Islamist supremacism around the world. Yeah. I Uh, mean, throughout,
1: throughout history, certainly. Yeah. And an example
0: of that in history, just one example is, um, uh, Abdul Hamid II, who was the, um, in the early 20th century.
1: The, the Ottoman sultan, yeah? Yeah, the leader
0: yeah. of the Ottoman Empire. And he actually, you know, affirmed and supported um, through kind of a, a, a particular movement called Pan-Islamism. He supported the transatlantic slave trade. So as a leader of people who are black in this area of the world, you know, mm. he supported and sold people out. To be traded to England and to the Americas. Interesting. To be to work as slaves. Wow. And so, like in his his ideology of Islamicist supremacy led him to that decision, right? Um, mm. And so, yeah, th- these things are used. I think there's in the Christian context there's far more examples of Christian supremacy than there is Islamists.
1: Well, and I, I think that also comes down to the the backgrounds you and I have as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, both of us growing up in the Christian faith. I think we've we've studied and and maybe feel more uh personally uh, uh attacked by by examples of christian supremacy and that's not to say that there aren't many many examples in in pretty much yeah. any other religion right you mm-hmm. you can talk about um the very iffy concept of of, of parts of zionism within modern yeah. judaism mm-hmm. um you can talk about uh what's happening to a lot of of muslims in southeast asia right now where where um majority buddhist populations are attempting you know ethnic cleansing in places like myanmar Mm -hmm. um it's not it's not just christian supremacy right but but i think the reason we focus on that is because that's very close to home for us and i think for a lot of the listeners as well yeah it's it's worth saying and it's connected to our origins
0: as a nation but also it's something that for the for vast swaths of world history Christians have had the most power, by and large. Yeah. And so with the most power, there are more examples white, of white, white Christians. Christians yeah. Yes, white yeah. <laughs> Christians have had the power, right? Yeah. And the people, th- the most powerful empires <laughs> of a lot of the world's history yeah. are people that call themselves Christians, yeah. even mm-hmm. going back to Constantine. and
1: Yeah. But so, it is, I mean, it is worth making clear that to deconstruct supremacy, to decon- to, to take apart this concept of superiority um, – it's more than just taking apart the white Christian superiority. It means taking apart all, you know, all of these flawed concepts, right? It's it's more than just that. Yeah. Sure. It's, I it's think, that we're yeah. That.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think we have to we have to start with, you know, the Where where home. we are, sure. Oh yeah, certainly. Existence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that now takes me to more of a let's look at some of these implications for today, right? Yeah. So, those are, are historical going on? realities. What's going on today? So, let me talk about <laughs> this. Is when we get canceled, Patrick. This is when you get some people <laughs> mad. I can already feel it. I'm gonna talk they about they don't listen this far, you know. Yeah, that. probably not. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about uh, many people's favorite theologian, Christian, pastor. Hmm. Uh, and it's Martin Martin not, <laughs> no, it's not Martin Luther. There is a guy who you may have heard of named John Piper. Oh, right? John Piper! Um, if you haven't heard of John Piper, you know he is a very well-known John reformed Piper. pastor and theologian. If you've heard about Desiring God. Desiring God is a blog that he thing. created. He wrote yeah. a book called Desiring God. So if you're like totally who biblical who the heck womanhood, is this guy? yeah, <laughs> John, <laughs> John Piper. He's an old white guy, um, and he for a lot of a lot of sections of. Christianity in America, so a lot of um, Baptist denominations, as well as a lot of non-denominational kind of movements throughout the Evangelicalism. United States modern in the evangelical world, evangelical. yeah, yeah. Um, and anyone that most people that call themselves Reformed, in a lot of ways, John Piper is kind of the modern godfather of Calvinist Reformed theology, right? Mm-hmm. If you talk to someone mm-hmm. who is um, you know, into Reformed theology, at part of a tradition, that's usually who they're going to cite as, like, someone they listen to, someone they look to, Certainly right? probably the only one still living, right? I mean, <laughs>
1: you, you can talk about... I <laughs> think C.S. Others. Lewis's yeah. works are pretty influential. Sure, but, yeah. But, and uh-huh.
0: John Piper would quote C.S. Lewis a lot. Sure, but yeah. Yeah, if you think about who's the, moder- who's the modern-day godfather of <laughs> yeah. this, and that's the same theology that I mentioned that happened in South Africa, right? Obviously, very different context, but it's following the same ideals of John Calvin, right, who was a Christian theologian. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I found interesting, I used to be a big fan of John Piper. Honestly, I used to, well, not a, I'm not a big fan, but I used to listen to him, right? I used to uh-huh. listen to his works and was, I feel like I was learning. I've heard him speak live before, you know, and I was geeking out the first time I heard him speak. Um, but as I've kind of grown in my faith and gained other experiences in the world and, and learned about some of these realities that I'm mentioning today, I've kind of fallen out of step with John Piper and the way he thinks about most things. Um, mm. And, One of the things that really did that for me that showed me that actually the type of person of faith I want to be does not gel well with the type of faith that he espouses Mm -hmm. is one of his big things is called the supremacy of God. So that's one of his theological and ideological Tropes that he kind of says one of his slogans. So he has a book called "The Supremacy of God in Missions." He has a book Mm -hmm. called "The Supremacy of God in Preaching." Mm. The supremacy of God is one of his major angles, just like desiring God is another. You know, one of those phrases that he throws around and that people in the Reformed circle talk about. If you're a part of a Reformed church, I'd be happy to talk about this later. But I'm just trying to lay this out a little bit, right? Yeah. So, thinking about all those historical realities, right? Thinking and then thinking about this, you know white guy in the United States who has preached for decades and, you know, has this long history of being a religious leader mm-hmm. and espousing a lot of views that um, have been harmful to a lot of people in, in particular contexts. You know, very complementarian, meaning very much um he's not a feminist folks not even close to one. Right? Oh no yeah he's um
1: he wouldn't say even he say
0: said anything. he doesn't think that women should be police officers you know yeah. he doesn't think they should be qualified for that you know he anyone <laughs> even said that, well that's yeah. he also <laughs> said that you know if a husband abuses a wife that the wife should stick it out a couple times more and try to work towards, you know, reconciliation before leaving the violent situation. Love it. You
1: love to hear that kind of thing, right. And Thank that, you so much.
0: So those are a few of the criticisms. But one of the biggest, like, criticisms that I have is that idea of the supremacy of God, right? Yeah. So his whole view of God is
1: that God is so supreme, God is so above. There's, there's nothing for us to do but, but glorify and worship, right? Is and, the, and his view of going? even
0: Christian scripture, the yeah. whole idea that God, everything God does. In in scripture and the way he interacts, the way the divine interacts with the temporal throughout the story of scripture, mm-hmm. the Old Testament, and New Testament, he posits that the whole point is God is bringing glory to Himself. God is this, just holy, mm. powerful, and he you know he, people in these in these circles love to talk about God being all powerful and us being these just terrible wretches who are just trapped in our sin mm. and are just you know he, they love to. Put God on this really high pedestal, which I think is a, a very Christian idea, right? But but <laughs> yeah, but weird. to do that, they have huh. to demean the humanity and humanity's you know existence for good, which also creates a natural hierarchy of people that are connected to this supreme God versus people yeah. that aren't.
1: Well, and, and I'm sure I'm sure he's spent a whole lot of his ministry defending this and and fleshing it out more. But I mean. Immediately, I'm struck by, uh, you know, how much of, especially Jesus's ministry, I feel like you'd have to just step by mm-hmm. in order to settle on something like this. I mean, the level of, of intentional humility and then later humiliation he he sat through, mm-hmm. which did, I think, little to glorify God and more to maybe <laughs> um, show compassion, right? Mm-hmm. To, to serve as a clear example for us, right? Yeah. Um,
0: and I think... Hmm. You know, even if the idea of God getting glory for himself is a scriptural concept, John Piper's not making that up, uh, sure. and oh, the yeah. idea yeah. of God having power or and being all the power, even supreme to a level, right? Yeah. Those things you could infer from scripture, and John yeah. Piper has, yeah. but my criticism that I will have always said is, read the room, dude, because you are a white male in one of the richest, you know, societies ever in existence, yeah. and you have a platform to share what the Christian faith has to say to the world, what it has to say to America, what it has to say via the, the vessel of missions to other countries. Mm, what, how are mm-hmm. we exporting our faith? Mm. And his conclusion is, God's purpose is to get glory for himself because of his supremacy. Now think about all those historical things that I mentioned, and there's hundreds more, thousands more you could, you could come up with. Think about all those realities. How tone-deaf do you have to be to the to, to the reality of how this faith has been used to that your your fundamental your fundamental belief is, is the concept of superiority. God is supreme and superior. That men are supreme and superior, and God, who prefers men, is supreme and superior. So when that's your message, that's your export. Wow. Yeah. And that's a modern day thing. Those things you can look up articles that he's writing and follow him on Twitter today and find these things. I hmm. promise, I'm not making all of them up. I mean, the things I mentioned and much more that he said. Um, I, you know, like I said, there's one point in my life where I really appreciated a lot of things he said and, and the things he taught me, but the more that I have understood my role and my history as a white Christian in this culture, the more I feel like he pays no attention to the cultural reality of how that comes across and what that means to so many people who have been disenfranchised by white supremacy and Christian yeah, supremacy. Yeah, and his message yeah. to the world via the vessel of Jesus is... God is supreme and you are nothing <laughs> and you are a worthless wretch. And a lot of people think that's the fundamental message of Christianity, right? I would I would I would challenge that and would be, I would I would, yeah, I would I would say there's there's much more to it. There's a more nuanced yeah. perspective yeah. of that. Yeah,
1: I would agree.
0: In the beginning God created everything good, right? I mean, yeah, let's talk about that. But all that to say So that ideology, which I'm not saying John Piper has an identical ideology to the Dutch Reformed people that colonized South Africa,
1: but there's a lot of
0: overlap. A lot of overlap. A lot of scary overlap. overlap Yeah, that we are just okay with, right? We don't critically analyze or think about the how the context determines, you know, how we approach these conversations and what we're espousing, what we're exporting, and Hmm. how that affects Mm -hmm. faith. So. Now, where does that take? Yeah, where does that take us? The final place. Right? I, were, we we're just on this roller coaster. So remember, we started with the the birth of the United States as a, as a organized nation that was colonized, right, and stolen from from native people. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, and then we then, even before that, we talked about. Columbus, we talked. Columbus, uh, we talked about the Crusades, the Crusades in right? medieval times, um, the yeah, Catholic Church, yeah, yep. um, and then we talked about the
0: Enlightenment. You know, this Western th- ideological and technological advancement, mm-hmm. and then we talked about, um, you know, a little bit about Islamophobia. Talked about some of the the realities in Islam, how that works, yeah. and then also talked about South Africa. So yeah, yeah. all these different things. The, these these are different examples of supremacy taking shape. Yep. Yep. you know christian supremacy white supremacy religious supremacy taking yeah, pretty, shape.
1: pretty clear examples i would yeah hopefully hopefully we're tracking with as that well, so yeah. now
0: let's look at what is another example of supremacy that has more real world implications to us and that takes us to <sighs> everyone's favorite group it's my favorite boy band <laughs> um there is a man named gavin McInnes. okay you may have heard of his name you might not have he, um, you know, was sort of a radio personality, a political personality okay. for the last decade in the United States. Actually, he's from Canada, sure, but sure. very vocal in Canada and the United States. And he is the founder of what we now know as the Proud Boys.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: you've probably heard of the Proud Boys if you pay attention this last election cycle.
1: They were in the news recently because um, Canada just designated them a terrorist Domestic terrorist group on yeah. February 3rd, yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. So Gavin McInnes... Um, you know, he
0: kind of developed this following via, um, you know, he was writing as a, as a kind of journalist and he had a radio show and he kind of mm-hmm. started espousing these ideas and gathering this group of people that f- actually started in 2016 organized call, calling themselves the Proud Boys. Mm-hmm. Let me just give you an idea of what some of his ideology are. He, he, he would call the Proud Boys ideology is what they call Western chauvinism. So... <laughs> Uh, just, okay. a, just a little snippet from Gavin McInnes yeah. uh, he said this on March 8th 2017 on his radio show the Gavin McInnes show yep. he said and, in relation to like um, you know global foreign policy he yeah, says yeah. why don't we take back Bethlehem why don't we take back northern Iraq take back. why don't we start our own crusades that's what the crusades were they weren't just someone picking on Muslims for no reason they were a reaction to Muslim tyranny we finally fought back.
1: Huh. Bringing it all, all, all back around. So to the if you're, hopefully,
0: you're drawing a natural line and conclusion, right, to all of this, the the parts of the journey that got us here. Mm. Now we have someone who's espousing these ideas, these ideas, and a lot of people jumping on board to those ideas. I, yeah, certainly. So when uh, President Trump was elected in two thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm um you know, this this movement of people was we were you know vast supporters of him supported him in, in, very vocally right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the uh the website rewire estimated that by August 2017 so just a few years ago mm-hmm. there were about 6000 members of the proud boys right so that's August 2000, 2017 by the end of two thousand seventeen, so just within a few months, the Proud Boys official Facebook and Twitter pages had over twenty thousand followers. So this movement more than grew from six thousand people yeah. to twenty thousand that are engaging with this content online
1: in just that a few was months. Four years ago. Yes.
0: Huh. So, and, and here's the idea. Um, I'm going to read this article, which is from the uh, SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center. They have a lot of great resources on hate groups in the United States. So here's how they describe Gavin. They say, um, he carved out an ideological space for frustrated young men to rally around. Mm -hmm. Western culture is superior to all others. Racism is a myth created by guilty white liberals. Islam is a culture of violence. And feminism is about demasculinizing men. He told his audience that. A group of like-minded men at Compound Media who bonded over their shared frustration with PC, politically correct culture, began to meet in New York dive bars from these gatherings the Proud Boys were born, and McInnes officially introduced the group um, in September 2016. And so that's the birth of the Proud Boys, right? Those ideals that I Um, mentioned. And interestingly enough, there are four degrees of membership within the Proud Boys.
1: Oh, it's like it's all based on supremacy, even yeah. amongst themselves. Remember talking oh, about the sliding off-housing. scale, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the sliding scale within Proud
0: Boys is, to become a first degree in the pro-West fraternal organization, a prospective member simply has to declare, I am a Western chauvinist, and I refuse to apologize for creating
1: the modern world. Oh, boy. I love these declarations that immediately, mythically make you Remember
0: something. creating <laughs> the modern world? We talked about how the modern world was created, right? Yeah. And so it's I refuse uh, to apologize for that. I'm a Western chauvinist. Um, to enter a second degree, um, a Proud Boy has to endure a beating until they can yell out the names of five breakfast cereals in order to demonstrate, quote-unquote, adrenaline control.
1: Well, that's and that's the most terrifying thing, I think, to me about this group is that unlike a lot of other... Um, Internet organized uh, right leaning or, or alt right like this group uh, organizations they're they're explicitly you know very very much in support of using violence to achieve their means and they they've done it time after time after time yeah. right they're not they're not just a a racist sexist group of guys to get around and say dumb things they mm-hmm. they beat people up right yep. they seriously injure people yeah um
0: i was alarmed when i was just doing preliminary research on gavin yeah how
1: accessible his
0: ideas are you know it's on youtube it's, it's on facebook yeah, It's everyone. because until until this last year people didn't take it seriously it's just like oh yeah, there's just some guys that have their some ideas people. yeah but and we'll talk more about that to, to wrap this up but um so and then, so that's the second degree, right? Which <laughs> I just can't. So we're going to beat the crap out of you. And if you can say three breakfast cereals, then you have the resolve, right? Oh. You have adre- you can control your adrenaline and you're a Western chauvinist. So then that's the second degree. To enter the third degree, um, they have to demonstrate their commitment by getting a Proud Boys tattoo. Their policy is any man, no matter his race or sexual orientation, can join the fraternal organization as long as they, quote unquote, recognize... That white men are not the problem.
1: Uh, yeah. The
0: fourth is reserved for those who have gotten in a
1: fight for the cause. Yeah. See again, like that's that's their highest that's ideal. That's the highest right sliding um, scale which is that I, you engage in uh, violence. Maybe I'll do an episode later on on political uh, um, uh, theory, but that's also yeah. coincidentally the highest level of humanity, uh, masculine humanity for. Um, 20th century European fascists as mm-hmm. well, is, is using mm-hmm. violence. That's the greatest goal, right, is, is accomplishing your means through violent conduct. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence between the two. Yes. Um,
0: so a couple other things he said, just so you can wrap your mind around, you know, the birth of this, this group, right? Um, he said, um, I love being white. I think it's something to be very proud of. And he also said, I don't want our culture diluted. We need to close the borders now and let everyone assimilate to a Western, white, English-speaking way of life. So the idea that America is a melting pot, right, in this idea, he very much says, no, this is a white society. And so, but one thing hmm. that's really interesting about the Proud Boys, hmm. this is the thing that's one of the most fascinating things, right? Um, and yeah. not to put them on a pedestal, but more just to wrap our brains around it, understand. Sure. Uh, it's domestic territory. Put a bow period. on
1: all of this, yeah.
0: Their view is not, according to them, it's not a race, it's not a racial superiority. It's not a white supremacist thing. I think it clearly is, right? Sure. But in their view, they are not white supremacists because anyone is allowed to join. It doesn't matter if you're black or Latino or of Asian. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh. It doesn't matter if you're gay, if you're trans. If you are a man, hmm. you are allowed to join as long as you agree to their cultural ideals of Western chauvinism. Meaning that, you know, men are superior and yeah. that the Western way of life, you know, the white man is under attack Apparently and white is being supreme. oppressed. And, the, and yeah. we shouldn't apologize for anything that happened to get us to this point, right? <sighs> and, and that women belong in the home and, and should support what it's men are doing like, and hyperadrenaline. The yeah. definition of toxic masculinity, right? But the idea is, that idea is not religious supremacy. It's cultural supremacy. So it's not based on your... You know, particular external appearance. Hmm. It's based on your ascribing to a culture. This is our culture. This but is what we still, believe. But it's still centered around this. this
1: supremacy of white Western culture. Absolutely. Though, yeah. Right. It's, it's like the culture they're espousing is clearly is white. White Western. Yeah culture yeah yeah
0: but it's just it's interesting too that in a lot of these movements that we talked about it's really a religious supremacy this mm-hmm. is a cultural supremacy in mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you can be from any walk of life
1: yeah. as long as you agree with us
0: whereas the kkk right yeah. you have to have
1: a, the right skin color to get in the door you've right? got to be the right kind of european for, yes for much of the kkk
0: system yeah. yeah whereas the proud boys oh we're we're very welcoming we're very open as long as you agree
1: in western white chauvinism I feel like that's a much more effective recruiting tool especially in the present day.
0: Well, and speaking of the present day, that's awful. On January 6th, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, the 6th, not not only was QAnon a huge moving force in mm-hmm. this, but there's a lot of overlap with o- overlap with the Proud Boys. So there mm. were many, many, many Proud Boys that have since been arrested and the FBI is still looking for many of them that were involved in the insurrection on the Mm. 6th so this this ideal right which started as like a fun radio thing that people would call into and and then a facebook group and we like to talk about our ideas and hyper masculinity turned into you know well you got to get to the fourth level so engage in violence for the cause and that's what led to a lot of things that happened on january 6th as well so once again the idea of cultural supremacy religious supremacy it's gotten us here And that's what a lot of that was. And it's interesting, too, because uh, the current leader of the Proud Boys is, I believe, a Latino man. You know, he's not a white guy. Yeah. But because he believes in these white supremacist ideals and cultural supremacist ideals and male supremacist ideals, Mm -hmm. he gets to lead the, the group. And he was really heavily involved on January 6th. So once again... These myths of supremacy and the idea of supremacy and the idea of religion and political and cultural and ethnic supremacy being the foundations on which we build our worldviews and system of exchange,
1: mm.
0: all of that is still going on today. And that that's what takes me back to that first question. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, does to believe something, for something to be true, for something to have meaning and power to the world, whether it's your faith your political motivations, uh, your view of family, your view of the home, does it have to be supreme?
1: Does my religion have to be true? Wait, wait. Does my religion have to be better than yours, to be more true than yours, to be true to me? Yeah. Can
0: my religion be true without having to take the place of supremacy? Can my Mm -hmm. view of politics be true and meaningful without having to be supreme over all others? I think that's an important question that i've been asking myself and what led me to really want to difficult. do this episode yeah
1: especially i mean you working uh from the perspective of missions often yeah. as well right i mean that's that's a constant like if you're doing that in a way that's good and, and healthy i think you're asking yourself that question all the time mm-hmm. right and then how how am i taking these steps to ensuring that i'm not um establishing a level of supremacy rather than genuine desire to to help right mm-hmm. yeah yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and that is a challenge, right? You think about the work of missions; so much of it is wrapped up in that. And we talked about that in one of our earlier episodes, mm-hmm. right? The, mm-hmm. yeah, the ethical tensions within missions. Yeah. But also, yeah, like if if your goal is to, or that movie we talked about, Silence. If your goal is to espouse your faith to others, does that mean that it has to be supreme? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I yeah. want to take it back and land. Try to land the plane, maybe a shaky landing. But uh, <laughs> Paul Knitter, who I mentioned. Um, before, you know, he has some thoughts on this that really helped me kind of wrap these things together in my mind and think about maybe a healthy way forward or Mm -hmm. uh, the right questions to be asking moving forward. Um, And he quotes uh, um, a woman named Sharon Welch, theologian, and she says, um, the logic of religiously sanctioned violence is straightforward, whether it be the Buddhist defenders of Imperial Japan, the abolitionist John Brown, or the Muslim leader Osama bin Laden, for terror and violence are the same. They and their followers are the bearers of unassailable truth and harbingers of ultimate good, commanded by the absolute to destroy their enemies and bring about a reign of peace and justice for all of humankind. That's some pretty cosmic level. <laughs> but that I, I mean, think of those examples, right? The Buddhist defenders of Imperial Japan, um, Osama bin Laden, you know, being motivated by this, this distorted yeah, view of Islam, sure. right? Yeah. Um, all of those come from that idea of supremacy. And so then Nitter says, you know, no doubt at all, all religions, including Bu- Buddhism and the uh, in- inclusive religions of Asia, have made claims that my religion is better than yours. He says, I don't want to deny that, and I don't want to deny that among particular religious truth claims or practices, some can be better than others, or some are true and others are false. What I want to challenge are the sweeping broad claims that my religion is on the top of God's list or at the end of the line. To put it somewhere acutely, Um, I would like to challenge the religious claims that seem to be saying my God is bigger than your God or my Savior excludes your Savior or my prophet is the final prophet over your prophet. Mm. So he challenges that idea. I think there's food for thought there.
1: Yeah, yeah. But then the
0: the, the last thing he says that I think hopes wraps this up a little bit. He says, "Um, I want to explore the possibility that the religions and religious believers, instead of making such final absolute claims of superiority, would rather announce claims of universality. So, in approaching the table of dialogue, religious believers will not announce that they have been given the superior or final truth over all others. Uh Rather, they will offer what they think are the universally meaningful or necessary truths that God has given them. So, as a Christian, he says, I would witness to what I have discovered in my religion through Jesus Christ and why I think it is true, important, powerful, and meaningful, not just for me, but also for you. And therefore, I Mm -hmm. remain a missionary all religious believers, if they take their beliefs seriously, have to be missionaries. They want to share the truth that they have been given, but they make this witness and announce this message with what I would call epistemic humility." And that idea just, and that's a core idea of Christianity, um, is that the more you understand Jesus and God, the more humble you should become, Mm -hmm. right? that that hmm. that is the model of Christianity and yet somehow we have married the idea of superiority with a faith that Rather is all about humility and sacrifice yeah. yeah and i love that idea of universality in that i will be- you know i believe that what i believe is true and universal that it has meaning to anyone
1: mm-hmm.
0: but that doesn't mean that it has to take on this really ugly bend of superiority hmm. and so i would
1: challenge I would challenge, I'm challenging myself and challenge us to think. About yeah, I mean that's that's a lot. It's a lot to process, <laughs> yeah. not just you know talking about the history that we we read or the culture we live in, but ourselves as well, the way we interact, mm-hmm. the way we go about, uh, particularly as people of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do we still hold on to uh, the beliefs we have that I think many would say tend to be exclusionary between faiths, yeah. Yeah. while still Um, making important steps to find common ground, right? He Mm -hmm. he uses the word universality. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a a concept like like common ground works Mm -hmm. pretty well in in the in the same context. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really great. And I think that.
0: that idea of epistemological humility, meaning, you know, epistemological meaning the way that we claim that we know the things we know, right? How we get our information is this Mm -hmm. philosophical term. So the way that we know the things we know, we have to remain humble about, right? So I can feel like I know and understand things about my faith and about other faiths and about the world, um, but if I'm really following the way of Jesus and living into my faith, that means that I have a level of humility. Um, Mm -hmm. And that will be the same thing, you know, not to put words in anyone's mouth, but I think for someone who is you know a devout hindu like they are part of this they are a part of this divine created order that exists and, and sustains all things together that would be you know a, a common hindu view not all hindus would view it that way but sure, it's sure. A, a particular view of of hinduism right mm-hmm. and so how could you have pride over another person or have supremacy over another person when we're all one we're all part of the same created order is what you know someone might say in that case And that we all, you know, so whereas other people weaponize the idea that we all have one origin, sure. What if, you know, how could we actually view that as something that makes us humble and to have, okay, I think I know, I think that I think I know the things I know and I think I have good sources for how I know the things I know, but I I have to remain humble in that. And that allows me to have love and universality
1: in Mm. my beliefs, but maybe detach from the idea of superiority. So I shouldn't go around telling everyone that thin mints are the superior Girl Scout cookie nope but what you could say is i really like thin mints i think you should try thin
0: mints they're my favorite girl scout cookie i think, you would, like them. Cookie. I you, think you would like them. there you go i think universally a lot of people would like thin mints yeah. oh you like samoa's that's really cool let's talk about that wow samoa's are
1: really good i still like Thin. i mints. still like thin <laughs> mints they are still better in my own opinion
0: it's honestly and it's so arbitrary <laughs> but even like the pineapple on pizza argument right yeah i hate that argument because it's not about if you like pineapple on pizza it's if pineapple goes on pizza yeah so it's gone from a preference to a supremacy, and it's yeah. like it's like an ethical debate. It's right? like so. It's not. It's not like that. I don't. <laughs> I don't like pineapple on pizza. It's that no one is allowed to put it on pizza ever. <laughs> what the heck? Chill out. All right. Dang. Wow. Pizza supremacy, guys. Don't do it. Don't order supreme pizza now. It, <laughs> it will forever taste. Thanks for listening all the way
1: through. Uh, it's been a blast. We're gonna have some more great episodes coming on out. Some really good guests. So uh, yeah, stay tuned. Stick with us. Thanks for tuning in as always. Stay safe.